Hello, Rue. Good evening, Nick. Are you all right? I'm very well. How are you? I'm absolutely splendid, thank you. I've got a Carling grapefruit cooler in my hand. My word. I've got a cup of tea and I've just had a Garibaldi biscuit. What different lives we lead. I know, but (laughs) I think we're both quite content in our lot. Yes, that's exactly right. Beardy Dads! You're listening to Beardy Dads. I'm Rue Reynolds and I've got a nearly six-month-old son called Oliver. And I'm Nick O'Leary and I've got a four-month-old daughter called Lauren and a three-and-a-half-year-old called Toby. And how is life going in the O'Leary household this week, Nick? What's, what's going on? Have you had any firsts this week? So I was away last week. Regular listeners would have spotted no podcast last week. Got back on Saturday to... Um, I think Toby gets quite, gets quite excited when I come back, which is always nice. That's nice. Yeah, it's always good. Um, and what have we done this week? Well... We had our first parents' evening for his new school that he doesn't even start till September. How does parents' evening work when you haven't well, started yet? It's that first sort of information evening, giving giving out all the leaflets and forms and find out a bit more about the school that they're going to. But that was nice. fun. And we finally moved Lauren out of her crib into her cot. It's still at the foot of our bed. Mm-hmm. I know with Toby, when, when he moved up to the cot, that was the same time he moved into the nursery. But we've got a, a bit of a leaking roof still trying to get someone round to sort out. So um, she's staying with us for a little bit longer until the nice man comes and fixes the roof. And how are you all getting on with that? Fine, actually. I mean, she's, she sleeps remarkably well. She doesn't stir when we go to bed. You know, we don't just us talking to each other that you know we we hush tones we don't wake her up hmm. um although joe does give her a feed at that around then anyway so she's normally knocked out by having a good feed <laughs> and i don't know she seems to have synced up with toby so by the time toby comes in in the morning um that seems to be when she stirs give or take half an hour for her morning feed so well that sounds ideal yeah it is going well because i think last a couple of weeks ago, you said you guys were doing quite well, but we yeah. had an email route, didn't we? We we did have an email. My wife had to make a correction. Uh, she said that all of this optimism and positivity about sleeping nine hours a time, she pointed out that that was still a slightly freak occurrence and it wasn't happening regularly. Uh, and that actually, the the average was probably that he was getting up at 3am most, most mornings. Uh, since then, however, Nick... Uh, life has got slightly easier in our house and he is actually sleeping quite reliably now which is nice yeah it's really nice and so we're um it's almost as though i predicted the future slightly maybe i was just a week ahead of the actual reality of of my house good stuff and what else have you been up to (laughs) well obviously weaning uh so we've we've talked in the past about uh we've just started weaning in the last couple of weeks and that's going really well He's uh, grabbing the spoon and getting really sort of into it, which is really exciting to see. Yeah. And also, just this week, we've started um, trying him with the uh, the sippy cup. Right. So water from a from a. Um, well, when I when I ask you, Nick, who do you think makes the sippy cup in our house? I imagine you might be able to guess which corporation is responsible for this particular I, I, delight. I, I would I would put put a small fortune on Tommy Tippy there. Tommy Tippy sippy cups are yeah. the way to go, uh, and he's he's great with it. He grabs it with both hands and he he uh, tilts it back and yeah. I mean, like first time he just got the hang of drinking from a cup incredibly quickly. Excellent. And I suppose the the other biggest change uh, in the last couple of weeks is that he's rolling over 
a lot. Yeah. When you put him to bed, uh, and obviously we lay him on his back because that's the current advice, probably within 20 seconds he's on his front. And then within 30 seconds he's in the corner of the crib. Right. Very frustrated, nose in the mattress, really, you know, banging his head against the corner, getting quite frustrated. So obviously you have to retrieve him and turn him back over and see them and settle him. And then this will happen five or six times. Uh, He's definitely got the hang of rolling from his back to his front. Mm -hmm. But then he gets quite annoyed because he can't do the opposite. He can't go onto his back. So, yeah, I don't know when this will end. (laughs) At the moment, it's making putting him to bed quite a long process. So we're not quite there yet. Lauren did an an evening of rolling a lot from her on from her front onto her back when she was mm. on the playmat, but that was an evening of that, and she's not done it since for a while. But I seem to remember, and I think the advantage we had with Toby was by that sort of age we were coming into the winter as opposed to coming into the nice hot weather we have now. So he was we were putting him in. The sort of the grow bag, sleeping bags. Yes, that that's a very good device. And, and it was only recently when it's got a lot hotter that we've stopped using that. Um, yeah. And and maybe if we were to um, find a suitably thin one, we could uh, we could you know sort of strap him in a bit more. Yes, because they they help to that they're harder to roll over. <laughs> Not, yeah. It's it's like a baby straitjacket. Yeah. And I'm. I'm no, I was going to say with <laughs> with a careful bit of Velcro attachment. Well, I've been wondering about magnets. I've been wondering whether yeah. it would be a, a really improper thing to do. Uh, it probably would be. Yes, I yeah. If if this makes the final edit, absolutely, it is the wrong thing to do. Um, but you can for the sleeping bags, you can get really low tog ones. Um, you know, really thin cotton ones. But hmm. whether by the time they're that thin, they help you know help ease the rolling. Yeah, that I don't know. Well, in some ways, it's quite exciting to seeing him mm. to see him using these new skills and and seeing him roll over is obviously quite quite good fun. Yeah, but I, I sort of wish that he had the hang of doing the opposite, so that when he gets <laughs> when he gets into that position, he can get out of it if he wants to. Yeah, the thing he can't do yet is crawl, and he really wants to. He sees something mm. in front of him, and he'll reach for it, and he'll sort of. You, there's a there's a a motion that he can't do but you can see that he he would really love to be able to crawl towards the thing yeah um and i'm not sure how much longer it's going to take for him to get to that stage but yeah it's annoying the hell out of him at the moment i seem to remember toby did his first proper crawling about seven or eight months not too long then yeah i think it was sort of april august to april yeah so it was about seven or eight months um i think so before i've we've got a great video of him doing his first mammoth crawl across our bedroom and what's, what's just out of sight is Joe with a bottle of formula um, out of shot that is what he's crawling towards. Oh, right. And it's, it's <laughs> like what you said, how Oliver desperately wants to get to something. Um, mm. And that is and a it, great motivator. <laughs> a bottle of milk. Yeah, and for him at the moment, it might be a toy or it might yeah. be just, you know, some interesting light in the corner of the room that he, mm. he gets his eye on and wants to go for. Yeah. With Lauren, we aren't quite weaning yet. I know... She sucked on a carrot stick the other day as a, as a starter. And um, actually, Joe has got a sippy, sippy cup for her. And she did say the first time she tried it, she would get a mouthful of water. And then she'd just give this slightly mournful <laughs> look at Joe as to... What's this? I don't know what to do with this. At which point, it just all just dribbles out of her mouth. Cause <laughs> this isn't milk. This isn't milk. and um, But I think the big thing is she, she's now... We've got her up in the high chair with us at the table when we eat. Mm. 
Yeah. And that's incredible. Just She's just so alert and just watching us all eat, watching Toby eat, watching us eat. And she loves it. Um, so I think, yeah, we're, we're very close to, to weaning. Yeah, she won't be, won't be far behind. Mm. Well, it's been two weeks since the last episode and we've had a bumper crop of listener correspondence, emails, tweets, letters, all, all the things. I, I said letters in that sentence. I don't think anyone's actually sent us a letter. But you know what I mean, practically letters. Yes, I think correspondence <laughs> covers it well. It covers it all, all the options. Um, the first of which, excitingly, uh, Alex Hardwick, who was in touch just a couple of episodes ago, the expat living in Sweden. He was a week overdue at the time. And he's had a son. He said, just as we arrived at the hospital, my wife's contraction stopped completely. And after half an hour, we were sent home, feeling quite frustrated. I can definitely imagine that. After one and a half hours, they started again and we were back in hospital. It took almost exactly 13 hours from start to finish, and little Rupert was born at a rather pleasing 11.11pm. We were surprised at his weight, £7, as we'd expected a quite severely underweight baby, and we'd had weekly ultrasounds confirming he was small until 38 weeks, so he must have had quite a growth spurt after that. He's starting a new job in August and is on paternity leave until then, so so Alex is going to have about 10 weeks being at home, being a dad, before he has to go back to work, which is lovely news. Congratulations to all of you. Yes, congrats, Alex. Uh, that's that was really good news. And you know, the fact you've got ten weeks at home with with your son now, you make the most of that because that is such a treat to have that time. Um, yeah, that's good. I would have loved uh, I would have loved a bit longer at home before going back to work. Although I must admit that there is a little part of me some some mornings that's quite uh, I don't know. Glad is probably the wrong word, but sometimes quite relieved maybe to be it's, <laughs> leaving it's a, Rachel to it. It is a guilty. <laughs> And again, guilty pleasure is absolutely the wrong term. You, you feel guilty for, for just feeling that moment of relief as you leave the house, thinking, "I don't know." It, it's 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 a, not one you you really publicly admit to, is it? Yeah, it's a, it's quite a weird feeling. I think. Um, yeah, working dads out there will know what we mean. Um, and if you've got your own thoughts on that, then then do get in touch as ever. Yeah. Someone else who got in touch is Andrew Wheaton. Yes, and Andrew Wheaton, who we had been contacted by both Andrew Wheaton and Pete Wheaton, and we had speculated maybe brothers, they were actually father and son. Yes, Pete so, is the dad to Andrew, and Andrew was um, asking questions because he was um, just about to go into hospital uh, to have twins. Yes, so Freddie and James Wheaton were both born on Friday the 13th of June, and all are well, and that they uh, came home the following weekend. So congrats to them. Congrats to Pete for being a grandfather. Yeah, that's amazing. They're, they're coming home right now as we record, uh, which is brilliant. And they were um, £6.7 and £6.10 respectively, which is pretty good size for twins. For twins, that's... I mean, that's like £13 of baby. That's a lot of baby. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Mrs Wheaton on that one. Yeah, quite incredible. Regular listeners to Beardy Dads uh, might remember Dr. Richard Gascoigne, GP, who was in touch previously about routines and sleep and uh, and the sleep lady and all that sort of stuff. Well, he's been in touch about baby led weaning. And he says, this was something that we were very keen on doing with both of our kids, but they got so frustrated at not getting stuff into themselves efficiently. And they seemed so hungry that we started spooning. Uh, as as in spoon feeding rather than cuddling up behind them I expect and the combination worked nicely let them pick up all the bits but if they seem hungry then spoon some stuff in too 
They both took to spooning stuff in for themselves at a very early age, at the same time as eating lots of finger foods. I think my advice would be, it doesn't have to be all or nothing with a particular technique. We felt a bit guilty about spoon feeding initially, but it seemed to be what the kids wanted. So talk of force feeding children, I think is not very helpful. Although I pretty much agree with everything else that your other contributor said. And the spoon stuff was more sort of mashed up rather than pureed. And that's mainly because we didn't have access to any means of pureeing. So thank you, Richard. Uh, that is good to hear. Um, um, we're definitely doing a bit of both at the moment. I think Oliver's picking things up and he's especially good at holding rusks in his hand and sort of letting them melt in his mouth. Uh, but we are definitely still at the fairly early stages of, of him getting the hang of feeding and we're, we're not embarrassed to say that we're giving a bit of, bit of help with some spoons as well. Good stuff. Another uh, frequent contributor, James Taylor, who uh, quite a few episodes ago now um, wanted advice on just the practicalities of going away on holiday with with kids. Um, well, he's recently returned from his holiday in Dorset and he's written a lovely little uh, blog post about his time. And in fact, he points us towards a website, Child Friendly Cottages. So this is one of the you know, many, many sites you can go to go find holiday cottages, but this one focuses on ones that are particularly child friendly. Um, and coincidentally enough, just this evening, we have actually booked a cottage we found through that site for August um, down in Cornwall. So, oh, very nice. Yes. And we'll save the rant for how much holidays cost during school holiday terms. Ah, yes. The markup yeah. on school holidays is not pleasant, is it? It's not. And it's that realisation now, come the, end of, come the end of the current sort of school term time we're in now, <laughs> we don't get to take a holiday in term time for 16 years that's you now well more lauren oh no 18 years 19 <laughs> years i don't know anyway um mm. but uh yes child friendly cottages we will put some links in the show notes as ever it was father's day recently uh, and i was asking questions about what makes a good gift uh, and chris beadle says handprints in clay he's had a set of prints from every child every father's day and they're all on his desk now Chris doesn't mention how old his children are, but he does say that they took him to lunch recently. So I think they're grown up. So I imagine he's got a very big desk with an awful lot of handprints on it. Quite possibly. Or maybe, or maybe mum took, mum and the kids took him. So, uh, oh, yes, could Chris, be. How big is your desk? Let, yeah. Let, let's hear back from you on that one. Do you have thirty-year-old children? Yeah. Hi, this is Rob Grundle. I'm here with my dad, Franz Grundle. Hi. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest sacrifice you've had to make having children? Uh, probably before we had children, we were sort of, in a way, we were, uh, or as, especially me, I was quite, I was a bit of a drifter in my jobs. And when a family came along, I had to be more careful with switching jobs and always make sure that we that that our head work and uh, so it gave me a lot more discipline in my job to because I had to maintain a family and uh, so I couldn't just go uh, go and switch over to to something else or something loosely I, I had to uh, uh, I, I had to provide mm. and, uh, and I think that that was for me uh, an a change. Mm. And how, was it hard for you to do that? No. It was not hard, no. I had a certain discipline instilled in me when I was young, and I probably let go of 
of that for a while, whilst I could, but mm. when the time came, I could, I could fall back to that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've really struggled with is with, with Finn and Thomas, or Finn especially because Thomas is still quite young, is discipline, getting them to do what you would like them to do, how, how you experience that, and especially with the long-term view now that, you know, I'm 33 or whatever. My experience, and actually our experiences, and, 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 and I'm not sure whether it always works in our family, but if you feel you want them to do certain things, get your wife on board as well, mm-hmm. and have the same idea about bringing up children. Whatever, whatever you do, you've got your partner's back in this case, my wife's backup as well, because children very soon realize if they can't get it from the one and they can get it from the other one, they will turn to the other one. Mm-hmm. Mark, as well as you, he probably smack you at times, mm-hmm. but uh, I think when you, you have, I think, five or six, and I think Mark was seven, I think there was one instance where, and I think you probably still remember that. Yeah, I think that. I probably do. And, and why it was that, uh, and I felt so disgusted with myself, and then I thought, no, there must be other ways of of disciplining mm. than just a smack. Mm. And and as you know, we've uh, we've uh, always uh, found other means of 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 doing that, and, and in most cases seem to work. I was just looking at Finn's day and trying to, because being him being two and a half and trying to imagine him having children, what's it like you now being a grandfather and seeing, you know, me and Mark who, you know, came out would probably seem like not that long ago, <laughs> I imagine. I'm beginning to realise how the passage of time changes once you have children. Uh, what's it like seeing your babies have babies? I think... They entitled to the same struggles <laughs> without me, me interfering there. It's a good answer. Okay, thanks, Papa. You're welcome. Baby dads. So we've had some other actual listener questions come in as well amongst this correspondence. Uh, Rob Jackson wrote, uh, two weeks and counting till his first. He's been listening since episode one and used the JAR method for baby names. For, for our newer listeners, do you want to just quickly re- recap what it is? It's very simple. The, the, uh, the rules are these. You get a jam jar. Uh, you and your partner, every time you think of a name that you might want to call your baby, you write it down and put it in the jam jar. And then every week, uh, you're allowed to go in and veto and take out any names that you don't like. Both of you are allowed to do this. Uh, and, and therefore, at the end of a few weeks, you're going to have a jam jar full of names that you could both live with. And a very fair scheme, it sounds. So Rob wrote, so they've been using this, this method for their very names, and they're down to a small selection for both boys and girls. They decide not to find out, so it'll be a surprise when it arrives. But the question he writes in with is, what are the rules for middle names? They want to keep both grandparents happy. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? If you want to use the middle name of a grandparent... Yeah. Then, oh, which one do you go for? It is a tricky one. Uh, so my brother and I don't have middle names. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. And I think it's one of those... I think my parents admitted they, they struggled enough with first names not to, <laughs> not to have to then worry about middle names. If they could have called you O'Leary 1 and O'Leary 2, do you think they would have done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, classify us by... Yeah. 
we I think we elected not to pick sort of family relevant names mm. partly because you know how you know, how do you pick what if you're only having one child then you know, you you've potentially got two grandparents uh, two grandfathers two grandmothers to choose from perhaps we we cheated by not picking any fam- familiar names and we spent more time then just trying to find a nice pair of names that sounded well together. Hmm. Um, so we've got Toby Edward and Lauren Sophie. That's very nice. Um, we did something similar. We uh, were very much thinking about going with family names and keeping traditions alive and that sort of thing. Um, but we actually ended up with Robin as Oliver's middle name. Uh, and he's named after Rachel's godfather, who uh, unfortunately died um, just a few months before Oliver was born. Um, so yeah, it's a nice way of remembering him. Yeah, no, that's very nice. And I think I, I know other friends who's who the um, well, the grandmother to be passed away soon before the birth of the their daughter. So um, it was a yeah, it's, it's almost a timely opportunity to to remember the grandparent. So that gives Rob some options. He can either go with a name that isn't related to family, or he could knock off one of his family members. Well, yes. It, 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 yeah, it, it's a it's a circumstantial thing, isn't it? Really, um, but yeah. So let, let's open it up. I'm sure um, plenty plenty of listeners have have faced this choice themselves without necessarily it being an obvious choice. Yeah. Do you have um, you know, other traditional ways to pick names from your family? I don't know. Yes, in choosing your uh, names. Listeners, have you gone with any particular traditions or have you created new traditions in your family? We'd love to hear Mm. from you. Jamie Smith has been in touch, having recently had their second baby, uh, Sienna Rose Smith, who was born on the 8th of May. Congratulations, Jamie. She's got a big brother, Ethan, who's 19 months older. And Jamie will be interested to hear what dads think about different age gaps. Um, We've covered twins uh, a fair bit, but he'd love to know what happens with kids who've got quite a big gap so you know five years between them um uh, and at the other end of the scale what about very very small age gaps between between siblings so he heard of a couple who had kids born a year apart but actually starting school in the same school year because one was september and one was august yeah we, we've got a, a, a few friends who've who had their kids quite close together not quite as close such that they'd be in the same school year i mean that's quite quite a feat of timing and I'd imagine, I don't have much data for this, but I'd imagine that, that siblings who are quite close in age um, would would get on quite well. Um, certainly my, my brother and I were about three years apart um, and we, we used to play, uh, certainly for a, for a good few years anyway, we used to play very well together. I think things changed a little bit once I reached sort of teenage years um, and I, I probably stopped being quite as much fun to be around. I, I'm sure he would have loved to have a, a brother who was a bit closer to his age. But how how far apart are you and your brother? Well, we're, we're the same. We're, we're three years apart. But as far as Jamie's question goes, I mean, I know we've talked about twins, you know, how you deal with two at exactly the same time. And, um, you know, we've obviously we've talked about how we're coping with the gap between Toby and Lauren. So uh, any listeners out there who, who have had children in a smaller gap a bigger gap i mean yeah it'd be interesting to hear what um what other people think about that and, and what their experiences are and especially if you're a parent uh, as most <laughs> listeners to biddy dads are um when you were thinking about having another kid or as you're as you're planning ahead uh is getting a specific age gap 
a factor for you. You know, other people who are waiting until a certain amount of time has passed or, or are aiming to start having a, a, a second, a particular moment in order to achieve a, a specific gap that they're aiming for. And if so, yeah, why? would be good. So do get in touch. As I said, we've had a bumper crop of correspondence. All these people have emailed podcast at beardydads.co.uk. Or they've tweeted us at beardydads. Beardy Dads. So, Root, last week I teased the promise of Postman Pat and, and <gasps> some views on Postman Pat. Yes, you want to review Postman Pat for me? Since recording that, the Postman Pat film has come out. This has nothing to do with the film, which by all accounts you probably don't want to bother with. This right. Is, this, is, this is more Postman Pat as it, as it is on CBBS these days. Are you telling me, Nick, that Postman Pat is still being made? Oh, absolutely. Except it's slightly different these days. Mm. So there's there's the old school um, Postman Pat, you know, Postman Pat living in Greendale um, from, you know, it's been around since, what, I think early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So... Maybe, maybe well, I'd have to check, but I remember it quite fondly from, from growing up and well, I was born in 78. Really well, I can I can tell you, nineteen eighty one is when it started. Yeah, well, that's about right because I would have been right. about the right age for it then. Yeah. yeah. So these days, the the new series of it, which I'm, I'm not sure how long it's been running, is Postman Pat's special delivery service. So it, it sort of moved into this new world of parcel delivery rather than just being the local postman, hmm. rather than being your your sort of local Royal Mail delivery man yeah. doing his round. Which he definitely was when I was growing oh, up. He had, he had a red van with a yellow crest on it. He yes. Was, he was he, clearly he, working for the Royal Mail. This synopsis says he's now he's been promoted to be the head of the special delivery service. Right. It now means he's got... He actually has... And the Wikipedia page calls him his boss, Ben. Ben works in the delivery centre, which processes all the parcels coming in from who knows where. But they just sort of arrive out of thin air. And then... Ben phones up Pat to say, Pat, there's a parcel to deliver. As if it's a rare occurrence. <laughs> because routinely there are parcels whizzing around conveyor belts in the background. But no, no, Ben has to phone Pat to come and deliver a parcel. So does he come in specially to pick the parcel up? He, it, it seems to be a special trip every time. But Pat always screws it up. He is an awful postman. I, I guess it's the, the drama- dramatic crutch of the show that things go awry. He's awful. And, and uh, to be honest, I, I question the working environment. Um, the, the, the episode that kind of pushed me over the edge on this rant was um, Pat was called to come deliver a block of ice. Right. The block of ice was just sat on the floor of the, you know, the, the Ben's off, you know, the, the sorting office, if, if you can call it that, that Ben works. It's just sat there on the floor. And Postman Pat has to deliver it somewhere. I forget where the details are kind of relevant, but you kind of kind of think, well, what infrastructure has led to this block of ice just being abandoned, with no packaging, on the floor of the delivery office for Pat to come and then put in the back of his van and take somewhere? Is it even labelled? It's not even labelled. It doesn't even it's, have an address on it. It's just asking for trouble. Yeah, it all comes down to you know. I think Pat needs needs to retire and you know. well he must be getting on because he would have been uh you know he was a grown-up in 1981 yeah it wasn't no. like he was a work uh, like some sort of work experience or apprentice he was a he was an adult male 
adult male. And so, yeah, he's been going 30 odd years, 35 years. And, you know, it, it kind of makes you long for that a, a privatized male system. <laughs> if, if this is what, if this is what rural male delivery has become. Well, if they keep making Postman Pat, then presumably in the next few years, then it's going to be Postman Pat and his fleet of drones. Fleet of drones, but also in SDS, it's not just him and his van. He also has... Um, so the van is Pat 1, is the number plate. Um, mm, I, think but, it, I think it always was. Yeah, it always was. But he's also got the helicopter, which is Pat 3. Oh, wow. Uh, there's a motorbike, a forklift truck, um, a quad bike... Uh, and various other vehicles. Quite why sometimes he suddenly needs to take a helicopter to, to carry a parcel, <laughs> uh, you know, across the roofs of Greendale. I, I don't know, but um, anyway, fun. It's but then a lot of kids' TV. If you sit down with a, the critical eye of a grown-up, and it, it can get quite fun when you're watching some kids' TV program for the nth time, just to sit back and think, oh, hold on. What are we watching here? You said in the past that Toby is quite into Auctionauts. Mm. Is that a programme that you find that you can follow along and enjoy watching it, or is it a bit mind-numbing? Auctionauts is actually one of the better ones. It's one we... we, um, Yeah, we quite enjoy it, because I think it is very well done at an educational level, that every episode will have some sea creature in that we've never heard of. Mm. Yeah, you know, just random, random sea creatures, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm, I have a soft spot for octonauts. I'm, I'm sure if you turn to critical eye, quite what a talking cat, dog, otter, uh, polar bear, and octopus are doing in in a underwater sea lab, and who's financing this? <laughs> who's actual, paying for this? Who's paying? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this some UN thing or <laughs> what, what's their actual? Um, yeah, because they ha- they have a lot of equipment and a lot of capabilities, and you know, the, it, with one eye, it is a bit James Bond baddie layer. Well, hang on, are you, are you implying that the Octonauts might actually be the bad guys? Well, they, they've got the they've certainly got the um, headquarters and the uh, vehicles that right. they could turn dark, and and you know, they're, they're fully equipped for it. But I digress. They're 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 very well done, and actually the the materials around it are very good. You can get books of um, facts about creatures and, um, yeah, all, all the usual um, guff you can get with kids' stuff. But And is this a CBeebies production? Yes, it, it's, it is a CBeebies-backed one. Hmm. So. But yes, so Octonauts is a favourite, uh, and there's actually there's not much on CBeebies that we wouldn't, watch or I think the main thing is um and this is this is comparing contrasting we've never really done Peppa Pig and things like that because we've never really put Channel 5 on which is where those ones are uh the couple times we have we've perhaps sort of left Toby watching in the bedroom and gone downstairs for breakfast or something and we've come back up to find Power Rangers and Spider-Man on which clearly not suitable really for a at the time, bit, you know, two a little and bit half more grown year. up. Yeah. yeah. Plus, of course, then he's absorbing adverts every fifteen minutes and or so. And the adverts, yeah. And and again, it's just every advert is just, you know, buy this toy, buy this toy, buy this toy. Yeah. And that's the nice thing we like about CBeebies is you know, if you have to step out, you, you you don't have to keep an eye on what he's watching there. 
yes it's it is all safe and age appropriate yeah yeah that's a, a nice um reassuring feature of of cbbs and then i suppose um i suppose cbbc as well for slightly more slightly more grown-up kids yeah we've, we're not there yet um you know there are a few shows on there i mean there's some that i quite look forward to like sadly not on anymore but the sarah jane adventures the doctor who spin-off and things mm. like you know there's a bunch of stuff I look forward to enjoying that sort of not young adult that that's the wrong age bracket, but you know the yeah, and horrib- sort of older kids, yeah, older kids and horrible histories mm-hmm. is one I really look forward to because I mean that's that's one comedy awards, you know, mainstream comedy awards. Mm-hmm. You know, they are very well done. The few I've seen, but yes, we're, but we're a while off that. So we've had a few uh, tweets about kids TV come in in the last few days. Part time Bob Ferris does say his daughter loves Peppa Pig. Um, but his favourite is actually Ben and Holly, and he often watches it with a beer or a brew. That's the thing, not watching a lot of Channel 5. I know we've seen it, but I, I struggle to place which one that one is. I think it's one with lots of fairies that live in this garden. I'm distracted because I've just tried to find uh, some information about a programme that I've occasionally caught glimpses of uh, called In the Night Garden, oh, yes. which I think is, is a, a CBBS classic. Yes. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the terrible three little puppety the things are. The to- uh, Tombly Boo, you're saying? Tombly Boos. Tombly Boos. Those... They're very, very irritating. Well, you say irritating. They have a special place in our heart because with, with Toby, the Tombly Boos were guaranteed to make him fall over in hysterics. <laughs> they must be incredibly well researched and developed, these characters, because... To me, that's just a terrible, terrible bit of television. But if it makes a toddler laugh, then they've done well, haven't they? Yeah, it is strange. I mean, like, going back to the Teletubbies and things like that, where you look at it and you think, what the hell is this doing? But, yeah, there, there is something about them, just the, I don't know, the noises and the visuals and the silliness of them that that works. I mean, in the Night Garden, um, it is just odd. It is... A, you know, you, you worry for whoever came up with that concept of um, Iggle Piggle, this this uh, well, this creature, this this character that always walks around with his towel in hand, or is it a blanket? I'm not really sure. You've got the other one who goes around and likes to balance and polish rocks, <laughs> um, and then you've got the Pontypines and the Wattingers and the Ninky Nonk and the Pinky Ponk. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I I I am slightly concerned for what's been pushed out of my brain by by absorbing too much of some of these programs. But just just making room for those names has meant that you've now forgotten other things. Well, and that's the thing you've kind of you need to because because if if your kid gets into them, then um, like with Toby, he regularly asks me to tell him an octonaut story, and he tells me off if I get details wrong about which character goes into which vehicle so we've had to learn those yeah toby started asking me for number jack stories but i've not watched enough recently to know the formula of an episode right which so he you know i i get it wrong and he tells me off so you you, but it's a great way i mean making up those stories and telling them to each other is actually doing him a lot of good for for creativity and playing with the numbers himself so you know, just because it's come from TV doesn't mean I don't want to do it. Yeah, um, well, it sounds like I, I hadn't realised just how educational some of these 
these things are mm. having programs that sort of you know dedicated to learning numbers and learning letters and, and things yeah. like that. Speaking of more CVVs programs, uh, Peter Fletcher has been in touch to suggest Woolly and Tig. Have you come across that one? Yep, Woolly and Tig's a good one. He reckons that's one of the best. Uh, he says that parts of CBBS though are just disturbing. Uh, Me too! Exclamation mark and Topsy and Tim. He describes as both having a queasy helping of the uncanny. Topsy and Tim's a weird one because that that was a classic. Um, was it a cartoon when we were younger? It, it's certainly one. I'm sort of in my subconsciousness of having existed that they brought back with a live action. Yeah, with, with real people playing these these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is a bit weird, but on the day that they moved, and this made me angry, on the day they moved, and it's been building up to the moving house for a whole series, the neighbour, as a parting gift, as the family have just got in the car to drive away with the moving van behind them, presents the kids with a rabbit in a cage. <laughs> that's not a good present. That's not a moving present. That That's not an additional burden you want to take when you're trying to move a house with two like six-year-old children is, oh, and here's a rabbit you now need to care for. <laughs> anyway. Um, of this live animal. Uh, yeah. The, I, I suspect I have absorbed far more CBBs than, than anyone really need to. I must admit, I hadn't really realised that it was on all day. I think of Kids TV, obviously, as being something that happens between home time and dinner time, because uh, that was my exposure to television when I was growing up. But, yeah, the fact that there's now whole channels dedicated to keeping children entertained, not 24-7, because um, a lot of those channels then switch over to be different things in the evening, don't they? So CBBS yeah. and CBBC become BBC Three and BBC Four after, I don't know... 7pm. 7? Is it 7, right? Yeah, so you have the bedtime story at 6.45, and then that closes out with the bedtime song, and then... That's it. It's a nice time that if if Toby stayed up for the bedtime story that CBBS has gone to bed, so it's time you went to bed. Mm. Works bedtime. Very well. Television's off now. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Beardy Dads. Okay, well, you've been listening to Beardy Dads, uh, and we'll be back with you maybe next week, maybe the week after. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, we'll, let, let's see how we go. We've got um, a busy, busy little time coming up ahead of us, so we'll... we'll um, See where we pop out again. Yep, and uh, you can encourage us to make more of this by uh, sending us your thoughts, your questions, uh, your tips, your suggestions, uh, and any response that you might have to anything we've been talking about today or anything else that's on your mind as a dad. Yes, you can. Uh, we are, as ever, podcast at beardydads.co.uk. And we're Beardy Dads on Twitter. And like Rob Grundle did earlier, uh, you can... Uh, feel free not to restrict yourself to the the medium of text, but you can record yourself. Uh, send us an MP3 or any other audio recording that you you can uh, make. Uh, and we've said this before, but you can use your phone uh, quite easily to record yourself. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's nice to hear your voices. So get in touch. Yes, do. It only remains for us to say um, thank you both to everyone who's already. Uh, been mentioned and and a huge number of people who've contributed to this episode but also to everyone else who's been talking to us and about us since the last episode uh, including Lopter, Julian Doyle and Bethany Straker and of course we have to say thank you to Wes Wes did the theme tune and we love him yes, good man Wes well thank you everyone Uh, see you soon yeah, see you soon Nick cheers Ruth, bye (laughs) 
Navidad.